Bibles, if you would, and turn to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 this evening, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we'll look at the first eight verses. Now, this is one of the passages in Ecclesiastes, probably outside of chapter 12, that we probably would probably know the most and probably is quoted the most. So we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1. To everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck, a time up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Ah, beautiful. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight again. Pray you would bless. As we consider these words uh, by Solomon, inspired by your Holy Spirit, Help us to consider time, our time that we have here on earth, how precious it is, how important it is. And we realize, Lord, it's all up to you, the time that we have. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a poem recently that kind of goes well with this sermon tonight, entitled Living Between the Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak and at the funeral of a friend, he referred to the dates on the tombstone. From the beginning to the end, he noted first, he noted that first came that date of birth, then he then spoke of that following date with tears. But he said what mattered most was the dash between those years. For the dash represented all the time his friend had spent on earth, and now those who loved him most knew what that little line was worth. For it mattered not how much he owned, the cars, the house, the cash. What, mattered, what matters most was how he lived and how he spent the dash. The dash. Now, I don't know who James Maitland Stewart is. I just picked up something. <laughs> you probably thought that's some type of Ken or some type of something from long back. No, I just actually just Googled a photo and put it in there and looked for a dash, and there's a dash. But really, our, the sum of our life is that dash. Everything we, 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 are, we are there living right now inside that dash. And so <clears throat> Solomon, with these words that even pagans know, talks about the importance of this time and the importance of this dash. Now, as we read this verse, first verse to everything, there's a season, a time to, to every purpose under the sun. Some of you are thinking about that old song by the birds,
weeping and laughing, sowing and reaping. The idea is to suggest the totality of life, birth and death, sowing and reaping, and everything is in between. Now, obviously, in his normal sense, we will think that he's going to be pessimistic, but oftentimes he's not. He actually writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he that hath made everything beautiful in his time. And so we think about that God in his goodness and in his purpose has a time for everything. And that's, it's, it's, that's good to know because sometimes we get to thinking that, you know, everything's up to us in our time. We, we kind of want things to be our way. We want things to go a certain way at a certain time. But God in his sovereignty has a, has a better clock than us, has a better way than us, has a better timetable than us. And that's what we're learning from this, the sovereignty of God, and learning how God himself has designed the dash. And we're going to look at these verses, of course, this evening. First of all, a time to be born, a time to die. You know, everything starts with that, doesn't it? You start with a birth certificate, you start with a death, and you end with a death certificate. It all starts with a certificate. And there's a, and there's a whole lot in between the two. I heard of a, a clock that you can get that you can predict or your retirement or maybe the end of your life that you could put a date far in the future and have everything work backwards. And I don't know what good that would do if you were thinking I'm going to live exactly 80 years or 85 years and then go backwards, but there's those type of clocks today. But Solomon is not just reminding us that death is appointment from time. He's saying and actually reminding us the amazing truth that that you don't get to choose the date you were born. And oftentimes, most of the times, you and I don't get to choose the day we die. It's in God's hands. Because he created us, right? He's the one who's given us breath. He's the one who's given us life. He's the one who give us, gives us the opportunity. That's why we are against, biblically, suicide. We, even though that is not the unpardonable sin, like some people believe it's the unpardonable sin, the pardonable sin is saying no to the Holy Spirit of God. Is, is suicide wrong? Sure it is, but it's not the unpardonable sin. We, we don't believe in a, a assisted suicide either. We don't believe somebody should take the life of, of another person. We believe that is in the hands of God. You don't choose when you're born. You don't choose when you die. It's, that's in God's hands. Those things are important. We realize that life is important, that life is a gift from God. Every day that you get up, is a gift from God. We ought to treat that, treat every day like a gift. And realize that, that God in his sovereignty had us to be born. We didn't come from monkeys. We didn't come from an a big bang. We are, we're, we're put on this earth for a purpose and a reason. We are here for a reason. And the days that God has, has given us, we ought to be thankful and grateful for them and use them for his glory, for, for his glory, and ultimately, which if we use them for his glory, they will be for our good. Interesting enough, uh, we think about the, the birth of, of people and how, it's, uh, how important it is a birth, and we all rejoice in, that, in a birth. And then we, we, when someone, someone who, who, who dies, we are, we're sad when they're gone. But really, if you, if, you, if you think about it, the day of a person's death in some way is better than the day they're born if they know Jesus. 
Because if it, once they're, when a child is born, well, they're, they're heading into a world of woe. <laughs> and you know the world of woe they're getting ready to hand to. And I, I hate to say it, the world of woe we're going into now is worse than the woe that, that you, you came into. Because times are changing. And they're, and they're changing not for the good, they're changing for the, for the worse. And that's what even Jesus talked about. You remember in Matthew, he said, he talked about the, in, the, in the end of the time, he said, woe to those women who give up. Because it's a dangerous time. It's, 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 a, it's a time of dilemma and, and peril and, 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 and fright when they're having to flee possibly because of, because of the time. Interesting what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and Verse 3, I think Brother Eric mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He said, if a man beget a, a hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many and his soul be not filled with good and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. What's he saying? Better for a child not to be born than for a child to be born and die and go to hell. Now, you and I don't like to think in those terms. But you think big picture. Big picture. Can you imagine a person being born in this old world, especially in America, go to church all his life, get a Christian education, go to Christian school, and the whole time deny Jesus Christ. Just go because his parents took him, drug him to church, made him go to made him go to made him go to, made him go to Christian college because they paid for it. All those things, and the whole time deny Jesus after they get out of school, just go buck wild. And I saw that many a time because they got out of, out of authority, lived their own life, totally opposite. Oh, I just heard a story from friends of a young lady who, when she was in college, was a wonderful, godless lady that you could ever meet. But as soon as she got out of college, got out of her parents' authority, she now, now she denounces God and says she's an atheist. Her, it had been better for her not to be born than to die and go to hell knowing that she had all that light but she rejected that light. It's true. Jesus said in, Matthew, in, in uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 21, the Son of Man indeed goeth, and as is written of him, woe to that man whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Talking about Judas. Good were, if, good were it for that man if he had never been born. Judas right now is in hell. He'll never get out of hell. And actually, it's going to get worse for Judas. It's not just bad right now, but he's going to get cast into the lake of fire. And he had light like very few people ever has had light. He was with Jesus Christ himself. He had light. He was around the light. And he rejected the light. And see, he's in hell right now. And his hell is going to get worse when, it's, when he's cast into the lake of fire. And Jesus said, better for Judas never been born. Because if he would never been born and even died stillborn, he would be in heaven right now. And people often ask me, preacher, what happens to little children if they, if, before they come to the age accountability? And people believe that age accountability is 12, could be younger. I believe it's basically when a, when a child truly understands right and wrong. So that might be different from some children than others. But I believe it's basically what David said. Remember the child that, that died because of David's sin with Bathsheba? And, and, and the Nathan the prophet said, 
what God, the gut message from God is, David, you're not going to die, but because of your sin with Bathsheba and the death of Uriah the Hittite, that child was, that child's going to die. And the child did die. And David said after that, after he wept and prayed and begged God for the life of that child, even though Nathan said the child was going to die, David prayed and begged God for that child. He said, I cannot, I, can, he, 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 I cannot go to him. He cannot come to me, but I can go to him. And one of these days, and I believe now, of course, David is with that child, which is in heaven. <laughs> Notice the second verse. It says, well, Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Second, second verse, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. Is, there's the seasons to sowing and, sowing and reaping, isn't it? There's times where you folks who have a green thumb, I got a black thumb. Well, you folks with a, with a green thumb, you know there's a time to plant. There's a time you should not plant because if you plant that wrong time, you, it's, gonna, it's just going to die. And so it is in life. We learned God's designs in nature, a time to kill. A time to heal. The kill here is not talking about murder. It's actually talking about uh, the idea of being de defending somebody's life, protecting somebody's life. And he's talking about, of course, a time that people will die and a and time when people will heal. A time when people break down and a time to build up. A time where you, you look around, you, you go through little cities, you go through little towns that used to be. When I ride a motorcycle, I, we always try to get into these back roads. And sometimes driving through these back roads, all you see is just bones of a community that used to be. Houses, stores, buildings, all these things that need to be torn down. Then you drive a little bit further, and all of a sudden you come into a place that's like, wow, all of a sudden here's, here's stores and towns and everything. Well, it used to be that place behind there used to be the place that everybody gathered together. Now, that needs to be torn down. That place further up the road, it's built up. Civilizations grow or they're torn down. And that's continuing to happen all the time, all around us, isn't it? A time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh. And the Bible tells us a very important principle. There's a, is when someone is weeping, weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh. When someone is going through a, a difficult time, that's the time you want to be understanding and weep with them. Understand their pain, their sorrow, their joy. And, when, and laugh with those who laugh. When someone's in, you know, having a good time, you know, don't, but don't do the opposite. When someone's weeping, don't be laughing. And when somebody's laughing, don't be weeping. You know what that takes? Tact. Do you, do you have tact? Do you have tact? When somebody, when, when, you're go, when you're going into a funeral home, that's not the time probably to be junking, doing a whole lot of joking. It's called reading the room, understanding where you're at. You know, sometimes we don't always use the tact that God wants us to use, and we got to be careful about what we say and when we say it. There's an old saying, always, don't always speak the truth, but when you do speak, speak only the truth. So there's a time, there's a time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted, time to kill, time to heal, time to break down, time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to mourn. 
There's time again that goes along with the weeping and, and laughing. Interesting, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, Better to the go to the house of mourning than to the go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all man, and the living will lay it to, heart, to his heart. <laughs> he said, better to, go, better to go to the house of mourning. That's, we're all going to the house of mourning. This year, all of us are going to have times of mourning. Because it's life. It's life. It's part of life. Along that same line, we see a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones away. Now, going back to that, a time to dance. Solomon must not have been an independent fundamental Baptist now. He couldn't have been. He must not have been. <laughs> we don't do any. But I can tell you from being in Israel, they do dancing, but it ain't the same type of dancing they do in America. Okay, So it's a little bit different culturally. Time to cast stones away, a time to gather stones together. During Solomon's day, ancient armies would cover an enemy's field with stones in order to make it unproductive. Remember their agriculture, agrarian culture. They're always trying to plant something, fix something from the ground, but to, get to, to, to have the work to get the stones out of the ground would be a difficult, tiresome thing. So the enemy would come in and put, put stones in their, in their field to make it more difficult. He goes on to say in verse 5b, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. Warren Wiersbe writes about this, that it might be talking about marital intimacy. People in the Near East op openly show their affection, kissing one another on the cheek and hugging when they meet again, when they part ways. He basically says, this is to say, it's a time to say hello, it's a time to say goodbye. It goes on, verse 6. The time to get and the time to lose, the time to keep and the time to cast away. My wife's favorite verse. <laughs> ah, yes. How would I just press that button and we get it the next day? <laughs> but then when you get done with it, don't hoard it. 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 Hey, if you were to pass away today, how long would it take for your children to take care of your house? Now, the altar will be open after church tonight. But altar, some of you need to come forward and ask God to forgive you. I know some of you folks. <laughs> I've heard stories about some of you folks. <clears throat> hey, if you don't need it, get rid of it. Posh market. Give it to Goodwill. Don't be, oh, someday we'll use it. Yeah, 100 years from now. No, you'll never use that thing again. Get rid of your junk. Don't give your man. When we moved from southwest Florida to come here, I couldn't believe how much stuff we had. Couldn't believe it. Just had it. You know, I, I found stuff I'd forgotten I'd had, and you will too. If you actually went through your stuff, and look and categorize and organize yourselves, your stuff, you would probably find stuff that why you would have you wouldn't have to go to Walmart for 10 years. <laughs> hey, it's good to say hello to stuff, but be willing to say goodbye to stuff. Don't be a hoarder. Don't be a hoarder. Don't be somebody like that. 
Time to rend. Time to sow. Oh, mama bear. <laughs> I thought about that. Remember that time with that bald man, Elisha? Remember when they, they, the kid said, go up, bald man, go up, bald man. Oh, they shouldn't have said anything to that bald man. <laughs> you know, that is one of the most controversial passages in the Bible that people think that that didn't happen almost to the same degree that people don't think Jonah was swallowed by a whale. You wouldn't think that, but that's one of the most controversial passages in the entire Bible. God would, a man could call on God to take the lives of children. You read it, don't you? Dear friend, that's just as true as John 3, 16. It's the Bible. Either we accept it or we don't accept it. It's the truth. A time to sow, a time to rent, a time to take, time to be, things to be taken apart, a time to sow, time things gathered back together. A time to keep silence. Woo, how important that is. That's a, that's a message in itself. You can read throughout Proverbs, James. He that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Oh, be careful. Careful little mouth what you say. Careful little mouth what you say. And it's a time to speak. That knowing when to do either is a mark of maturity. Knowing when, when not to say anything. And knowing when you really need to speak. That's the mark of maturity. Read it, James chapter 3. That's what that is right there. A time to love. A time to hate. And hate here is not talking about in an in a evil sense, but there's things in life we should, things in life we, sh we should hate. Uh, the Bible talks about hating sin. Psalms 97 verse 10, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Proverbs 8, 13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. Six things that the Lord hates. You say, the Lord hates stuff? Yeah, he does. Seven are abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. But dear friend, if you were involved in any of those things, you best say, Lord, I don't want to do anything that God hates. Oh, be careful. Be careful. One of the number one sins among independent Baptists is gossip. It's just the truth. If you aren't involved in it, don't talk about it. You know what that does? Gossip does more than anything. It sows up discord among the brethren. That's what it does. And oftentimes we spiritualize it by saying, oh, you, we need to pray for old so-and-so. You ain't praying for old so-and-so. You're gossiping about so-and-so. And then you throw up some type of prayer that don't go any further than that ceiling. And you say it's a prayer, but it ain't a prayer. It ain't a prayer at all. It's gossip, and it's a talebearer, and God hates it. God hates it. And it happens. It is the most common sin within the independent fundamental Baptist. And you know what it does? It tears churches up. It tears families up. It hurts relationships. Because once you get those things out of your mouth, they're like feathers in a hurricane. You can't ever get them back. Can't ever get them back. Sticks and stones hurt, break bones, break hearts. Words do worse. He ends a poem by writing, verse, verse uh, I wrote, I wrote uh, 
a time of war, the time of peace. Tolstoy, <laughs> big book, War and Peace. Revolutionary War, and Reagan with Gorbachev. Time of war, the time of peace. Let me basically summarize what he is saying. You and I are, we are in a dash in life. You've heard of a 100-yard dash, a 200-meter dash, a 20-yard dash, a 50-year dash, a 90-year dash. What God has allowed us is a time in between those two dashes. It's important. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Redeem means to purchase it back. To make, to, to, to make, to, to make sure it's precious, that, it's, that when you buy something that you, that you care about it, that you, that, you, that you love it, that you hold it precious, that the time that you have that God has given you, that every moment, every second, you don't just squander it away. The days that God gives you, what are you doing with those days? Do you spend your, all your days just looking at TV all day long? Computer screens? Is your life right now profitable at all? And if so, how? Those are some questions you ought to ask yourself. What am I doing right now to advance the kingdom of God? Am I, am I using the time that I have right now to advance the kingdom of God? Am I doing good? You know what it said about Jesus that he went about doing good. Could people say to you, if today was your last day and we had to stand around your casket right there, could we say about you, you went around doing good? Or we could say about you, if we were really honest, that we probably wouldn't say it that evening, we would probably say it later on, they wasted much of their life. What would people really say about you? What is the truth about you? Well, you know what? Jesus Christ knows the truth about you. He knows the truth about all of us. Jonathan Edwards, a great leader, spiritual leader of the 1700s, wrote recorded in his journal at the age of 19, 19, 19. I often hear persons in old age say how they would live. If they were to live their lives over again, resolve that I... He said, I am resolved that I will live just as I wish I had done, supposing I live to an old age. He's not going to, he said, I'm not going to wait till, well, someday. No, I'm going to live as if I was going to live an old age. I'm going to live now to the fullest. You know how he's supposed to live right now? To the best of our ability to, for God. Live it to the fullest. Carpe diem, seize the day. Don't slumber the day. Don't waste the day. Use the day. Because there will be a day, dear friend, I promise you, based on the authority of the word of God, you and I will stand before God and give an account of our day. What did you do? With these days. What did you do with the dash that I gave you? And there, dear friend, there won't be any excuses. Well, I didn't feel good. Eh. I didn't want to. Eh. Hey, you know, we give no excuses to your husband, to your wife, to your boss, to your friend, to all those other people. But when you stand before God, there'll be no excuse, friend. 
What will you, what will you when you stand before God at the, at the judgment seat of Christ, what will you say to God about your life that he's given you, the time that he's given you? Two things. Two things. First, your dash is filled with the appointments from God. You don't want to waste them. Your dash is filled with appointments with God. You don't want to waste them. Don't waste the time God has given you. Secondly, your dash is filled with unpredictable events. You can't control everything about them. Don't waste the time He's given you. And recognize, secondly, that in this dash, there's things that are going to happen you can't control. And in that, recognize He's always sovereign. God's in control. If you try to manipulate, figure it out, make everything happen just right, get every little piece of the puzzle in there just the way you want it, you know what you're going to find out? You know what you'll be? Miserable. Yeah, do everything you can by the grace of God, but ultimately realize God's in control. God's in control. Newspapers called it the dance of danger. Bridge construction was debt death-defying for men who walked on top of swaying beams, sometimes hundreds of feet in the air. This dance had, had a calculated fatality rate. For every $1 million spent, one life was expected to be lost. 1932, engineers on the Golden Gate Bridge believed that the risk could be lowered. Construction began. Numbers, numerous safety measures were put into place and enforced. Mandatory hard hats, subscription, prescription filtered eyeglasses, an on-site hospital for the injured, even with the most effective device, which was brand new, although it had been used for years in circus, was a trapeze net. It was draped 60 feet below the bridge, extending 10 feet on other side, on either side. Newspaper began running box scores of the men who had fallen but kept from certain death. One headline read, score on the safety net to date, eight lives saved. After four years of construction, $20 million spent, only one worker died. What was the difference? Safety net. And beyond the safety, the workers increased their speed because they trusted the net. Will you trust God? Will you trust God? Psalm 31, verse 14, But I trusted in thee, O Lord, and said, Thou art my God. My times are in your hand. Deuteronomy 33, 27, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. God's in control. Don't, 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 don't get so caught up and fearful about your life. God's going to take care of you. If he saved your soul from hell, don't you think he cares about your health, about your life? All this crazy fear that happened in the last three years, especially about Christians, unfortunately Christians are still struggling with it and didn't really need to. Didn't really need to. Think that's going to be the last time our society struggles? No. You're going to have things in your life that come up all of us will, how we react to it, that, that shows our true character and our dependence, our lack of dependence on God. As, you live out our, as we live out our dash through life, 
God orchestrates everything and holds everything. He will accomplish everything at just the right time. The question is, will you trust him? Will you and I trust him to take care of us, to help us? Jesus Christ has never failed you as long as you've lived. And he's about, not about to start today. He's not about to start today. Father, we thank you, God, for the life that you've given us, the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for all the many blessings you bestowed upon us. Help us not to live in worry and fret, to try to control, manipulate, fix, manage, make things happen in our life. Oh, we know we're supposed to be careful. We know we're supposed to be concerned, prayerful, doing all we can by the grace of God to serve you. But God, we realize that our times are in your hands. You have a purpose and a reason. You are sovereign. You gave us a day of our de- life. You give us a day of our, our death. Help us to trust you in the beginning and, and the end. I pray everyone in this room has had a time in their life where they placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And if not, I pray you come see me before the church service is over. 